I'm Toby Leary from Cape Gunworks. I'm passionate about all things Second Amendment. While I love to shoot... Going hot. There is so much more to guns than just pulling the trigger. A free and armed society is a responsible and self-reliant one. Join us to talk all things guns, freedom, and self-defense. It isn't just about being armed. It's about being responsibly armed. So load and make ready. This is Rapid Fire. Welcome to Rapid Fire, your weekly show, all things guns, freedom, Second Amendment, and self-defense. I'm Toby Leary, your host. It is sponsored by Vortex Optics and the USCCA, and we do a weekly radio show about the Second Amendment and and freedom in general. So we're glad you're here, and if you want to follow us, you can always go to rapidfireradio.us and sign up, and we will notify you whenever we go live. You can also contact us on the Rapid Fire line, which is 508-444-2120. So give us a call on that. You can leave a message if we're not live, and we will play it on the air. Or you can send us a text on the Rapid Fire line, 508-444-2120. Please like, subscribe, share, comment, and uh, sign up on wherever you find your social media. And uh, we're at Cape Gunworks and at Rapid Fire Radio. Wherever you, you know, get consume your social media. It seems like everyone's on social media at some point, right? Uh, I forget what show I was watching the other day, but uh, oh, it was one of the NHL shows because of the playoffs. And uh, they asked uh, one of the hockey players who was walking by, you know, uh, what they thought of the comments about his performance or something like that. And he goes, "I don't know." He goes, "I have no idea." Uh, they said, why don't you have any idea? He says, I have a flip phone and, uh, and you know, then walks away. So he doesn't care what people are saying about him on Twitter or YouTube or Rumble or uh, Instagram. So it was pretty funny. Uh, but anyway, I think that's pretty cool. Uh, somebody who's, um, you know, just doesn't care what's going on in social media world out there. And he has a flip phone. I Today, I was actually thinking how much of my life could be reclaimed if I didn't have a smartphone. But anyway, I digress. We're all doing it, right? And uh, there is some very useful content out there on social media. And I believe that the social media content that we put out is very good. And you don't want to miss out on it. So make sure you like and subscribe and share and comment and spread the word far and wide. Because guess what? I said this on the Grace Curley show yesterday that we still have Mark Zuckerberg's big foot on our neck and keeping us down, keeping us from, uh, you know, expanding. And what's really funny is every once in a while, some content will slip through the algorithm. We talk about this internally once or twice about how Brendan, uh, a couple of years ago, posted a picture on our Facebook uh, page and didn't do any hashtags or anything, and he just said, this is my favorite one. And it was just a poster, a picture of a poster from uh, the Second Amendment rally down in D.C., and uh, that's all he That's all he did. And it got, like, hundreds of thousands of views, and, like, I don't know, 
3,500 comments or something like that. It obviously slipped through the evil algorithm that is designed to keep our content down. And, you know, normally if you put a hashtag or something like that, you'd think it'll, it'll get seen more. But this had no hashtags, no comment other than this is my favorite one. And it was just a picture of a, a poster. And man, did it get some serious traction. And I'm like, it would be awesome to see what our channel would do if we weren't kept down by the censor overlords. But that's, that's just the way we have to have to do it these days. I need you to spread the good word and spread the message. So, uh, but anyway, we're glad you're here and, uh, um, we're going to talk about all the news. We had Stephen Dettel back today before the, uh, house judiciary committee. Um, and it was a great, I thought a great use of my time to spend some time, uh, watching that, uh, Jared from Guns and Gadgets did a phenomenal job hosting that, and I'm sure he'll archive it on his YouTube channel. You could go back and watch it, and uh, it, it's just amazing. One thing it really did to me is it it um, it showed me how polar opposite the two parties are in one respect. Um, I know there's that whole uniparty thing that they all, you know, cast uh, aspersions against each other, but really all kind of unify and do the same thing no matter what side of the aisle you're on, which I think is there's a lot of merit to that. However, there's still some really good people in the House uh, of Representatives that did a phenomenal job defending in a very articulate manner uh, our right to keep and bear arms and how other people are hostile to that and want to restrict. But I thought it was very telling how um, Director Dettelback could not just answer the most simple of questions. It was unbelievable. His, you know, defenses would crop up. I say the truth doesn't need a strong defense. It doesn't need any defense, if you ask me. I think it was... um, Augustine or someone like that, you know, one of the early uh, apologists for the the faith uh, said that the truth is like a lion. It doesn't need to be defended or in any way hindered. It'll speak for itself. It'll do what it needs to do. It'll When it's out there, it's out there. So when asked with simple questions that are yes or no, if you're on the right side of history, if you have truth on your side... You can just answer them. The problem is, he always started off every answer with, well, uh, you know, this is a issue before Congress, or the Congress has said, or the Supreme Court has ruled, or the, you know, it's like, answer the question, man. They're asking you, is the right to keep and bear arms, do you believe that people have a personal right to keep and bear arms? And Well, you know, it's been ruled by the Supreme Court, so yes, well, that doesn't answer the question. Do you personally believe? And, you know, he, he just sat there and squirmed for a couple of hours. Um, but anyway, that's, that's the day and age we live in. And, he, you know, he, he basically even said, I understand the tax on me, an appointed uh, bureaucrat, 
and he was trying to say, but I, I want to stand in defense of the good people at the ATF that are doing, you know, work to keep the American people safe and, and, you know, crime free. But the bottom line is where the focus of their energy is right now. It's on gun dealers with the Biden zero tolerance policy. It's on rule changes for pistol braces and frames and receivers. Um, you know, it's on making sure that they can pat themselves on the back in two years when they say, we rounded up all these criminals. What criminals? Oh, the ones you created by changing the rule on attaching a pistol brace or stabilizing brace to a pistol. Congratulations. Another victimless crime that is jamming people's lives up uh, forever and not doing anything to make our streets safer or our, our people safer in any way, shape, or form. But that's the day and age we live in nowadays. Uh, create criminals, not go enforce the laws and arrest actual criminals. If you're hearing this but you don't have your gun license, guess what? We have regularly scheduled LTC classes, including ladies only and couples classes. So sign up at Cape Gunworks today at capegunworks.com. And just today, I met a bunch of people who were on break from one of our basic LTC classes, chatted with them in the showroom, and they're really happy to be getting their license. You can be that person too. So sign up today, capegunworks.com. We'll be right back. This is Rapid Fire. for personal protection has never been more popular than it is today. The USCCA can help fortify your home, sharpen your awareness, and develop your defensive plan. Go to uscca.co forward slash rapid fire to sign up. Your family's safety and security is your responsibility. Go to uscca.co forward slash rapid fire to sign up for a USCCA membership and get special training, legal advice, and legal protection you and your family need. Vortex offers the very best optics specifically made for shooters with rugged construction designed for extreme environments. Vortex Optics build quality ensures accurate, reliable, and repeatable performance every time you squeeze the trigger. Add fully multi-coated lenses and nitrogen purging, and you have a quality optic with an extremely reasonable price tag. That is the Vortex difference. Come into Cape Gunworks to see the full line of Vortex Optics today. Welcome back to Rapid Fire, your weekly show, all things guns, freedom, Second Amendment, and self-defense. And I want to apologize right now for my voice. Um, I know I don't sound great. I probably don't look that good either. I'm, I'm right smack dab in the middle of a, of a cold uh, that I, I blame on one of my employees. I was on a business trip with him last week, and he sounded just like this. So he managed to get me sick as a dog, as they say. But nevertheless, the show must go on. Uh, so here we are. But I wanted to uh, talk a little bit about last week's, before we get into the news of the day, last week's poll question, which I'm surprised was as close as it was considering um, the audience here. But my hat's off to you guys for actually taking the time and voting. And uh, so the the question was, um, should there be background check for every gun purchase 
even private sales? And uh, 33% of you said yes, which I was very surprised. And 66 plus percent said no. Um, so that was pretty interesting. Um, um, so anyway, uh, what sound off in the comments. If you voted, if you say that every your four universal background checks and you think that every gun sale should be subject to a uh, background check, sound off in the comments. I'd love to know why you think that or c- give us a call, 508-444-2120 and I will give you all the time you need. Um, I personally think that all background checks do is delay and infringe upon those who don't need to be delayed or infringed upon. Um, I believe the criminal element as a whole gets guns on the black market. Uh, Very rarely do they try to buy a gun from a licensed gun shop. Um, You could argue that that is the reason they don't is because of the background check system. However, uh, I still say the net result's the same. Look at the... uh, last few mass shootings we've had those people all passed the background check so the background check didn't stop evil from happening and so all it is doing is inconveniencing the general public and i would i would say that um you know there's very few people that i believe um that have criminal nefarious intent that are going to risk going to a gun shop to buy a gun however um they're going to get a gun no matter what if they really do intend on using one for criminal activity. Uh, so I, I would say that the restrictions upon the vast majority of people are not, the juice isn't worth the squeeze. I would much rather a stricter enforcement of criminal activity and seeing criminals locked away and put in jails for long periods of time when they have proven to be a detriment to society through violence and through uh, criminal activity. I don't know why that's such a foreign concept. It was certainly the, the way of the world for a long period of time. Um, people didn't commit crime because they were afraid of going away in jail for long periods of time. Uh, and I believe people were just, in general, a moral and... Uh, good people, uh, so they didn't want to harm the, uh, the their neighbor, so to speak. They didn't want to, uh, you know, harm their communities, and that has changed. Look at what's going on. I just saw a uh, video of San Francisco, a Target in San Francisco today, and it was amazing that there wasn't a single item on a on a shelf that the public could come in and grab. Uh, it was all behind glass, locked doors. So that's the result of, of soft-on-crime policies is it further inconveniences the people who aren't the problem. So now you have to go into a store, ask a clerk to come over, unlock the thing so you can get your nasal spray or your uh, or <laughs> your Claritin, which I could probably use both of right now, and then make your way to the front. And maybe the clerk carries it up to the front because they don't want you to hit the door on the way by. I don't know. But um, that's really what that, that you know, all has to do with. So um, I was interested. I was very surprised 
about that. And uh, anyway, uh, let us know what you think um, and feel free to give us a call at 508-444-2120. I'd love to hear from you if you're in favor of universal background checks. So go ahead and give us a call if you are. Uh, this week's winner is Rick V. Look for an email from us, Rick. Uh, you won the Cape Gunworks hat. And guess what? We're giving away another one. Last week, we gave away the nice, beautiful, brand new gray uh, Cape Gunworks hat. This week, we're giving away the new uh, green Cape Gunworks hat. We've got two new styles, and this one has a leather patch on the front with our logo on it. Beautifully done. Uh, has the American flag embroidered into the side of the hat. So if you want to enter the giveaway, run over to Cape Gunworks, I'm sorry, rapidfireradio.us and scroll down and sign up and win in the giveaway. So rapidfireradio.us, scroll down and enter the contest. We'll pull the winner next week. And this week's discount code for those of you who take full advantage of this, and there's many of you who do, is SIGHT, S-I-G-H-T, SIGHT. That's the secret squirrel code word of the day if you want a savings off your entire order at capegunworks.com. So there you have it. All right. Um, so, yeah, today we heard from Director Stephen Dettelback on um, the House Oversight Committee. I believe it was the Judiciary Committee. And uh, I thought that the uh, usual... Staunch 2A supporters, Jim Jordan did a phenomenal job, Thomas Massey, um, Chip Roy. Uh, I didn't get to watch the whole thing in continuity, but um, it was a very, very good, um, you know, grilling of the director. And what I found to be most interesting was the direct questions that he refused to answer and then the uh, direct questions that kind of pin the tail on the donkey like um you believe that you can change this rule which will affect millions of people and uh you believe you have this type of authority uh congress didn't pass a law changing this so why do you think you do and uh he said basically we serve at the i'm paraphrasing greatly so take i'm taking a little bit of license with this but he basically said we serve at the at the pleasure of the president. And uh, just like President Trump enacted this legislation of bump stocks, um, not legislation, excuse me, this rule, rule change as applied to bump stocks, um, we can do the same thing with, um, you know, the pistol braces, uh, which I found to be extremely interesting. The day after the Sixth Circuit Court of Appeals struck down the uh, bump stock ban and a couple of the congressmen brought that up and, you know, Stephen Dettelback didn't basically, um, he just basically said, oh yeah, well that's for the courts to figure out. Well, if the courts figured it out, then, and several of them have now struck it down, uh, don't you think what you're doing is unconstitutional? Uh, that's what it seems like to the rest of the uh, free-thinking world the sentient beings out there, except there was a steady parade of uh, politicians on the left 
that were praising the ATF and saying, you guys are just keeping us all safe. You're doing a phenomenal job. We applaud you. You're a hero. You're basically, you know, trying to end gun violence in this country. And by, you know, restricting law-abiding gun owners, you're going to do all that. Of course, I'm, I'm putting in my inflection. Uh, and I found it to be interesting that um, every time one of them did that, uh, one of the other uh, like the Republican side would say, oh, I'm glad you brought that up. By the way, how's Fast and Furious going? Did you know another person just got rounded up uh, with an illegal gun that was sold during Operation Fast and Furious to an ATF agent? And that gun was found in a crime. So, uh, And by the way, how about that Inspector General report that showed that ATF lost thousands of guns and he said, well, that was a theft internally that that guy is now sitting in jail. Oh, yeah, I understand that. But the, the point is you can't keep a clean house all on your own, but yet you're going to require FFLs to do what you yourself can't do. That's unbelievable to me. And then uh, Matt Gates really grilled him good and, uh, and then went on to ask about the uh, GOA uh, report and uh, – the oversight administration, government oversight administration report on, uh, uh, you know, the record keeping. So how many documents did you have to delete that you were illegally keeping on file? Was it 250,000? And he's like, well, oh, he's polishing the seat of his chair saying, I, I, I don't know. Uh, it was, we had to delete, you know, again, we got it right. I'm glad we got it right. Well, the problem is the ATF gets it wrong a lot. Uh, quite a bit. Yeah, I think, uh, and G. Webbs is pointing out, by the way, how many guns did ATF walk to Mexico? Can you give us a number? And that was cool because it was on the heels of one of the women, uh, I forget which one it was, uh, Congresswoman, who said, um, you know, we have a problem with guns ending up in Mexico. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I almost came out of my chair. It's like, yeah, guess who the biggest proponent of that was? Guess who the biggest offender of that is? Your ATF. You got the guy in the chair right there. Yep. And uh, I, one of the other congressmen asked about that Operation uh, Fidelity or something like that, where they it was basically the gun shop scheme, the, the false storefront scheme. That was another one that was just as bad as Fast and Furious. But anyway, we'll be right back. And you know what else is back is the pepper spray class. This is a class for people that want to learn about alternatives to lethal defense. In the class, you actually dispense a water-based practice spray unit, and you'll learn all the facets of non-lethal defense. So go to capegunworks.com and click on the classes to sign up today. We'll be right back. This is Rapid Fire. to leave shots like these to chance. Now you never have to compromise performance again. Federal Premium Heavy Bismuth hits ducks and upland birds with 9.6 gram per cubic centimeter pellets sourced from Heavy Shot. 22% denser than steel. More energy downrange. Launched by the Flight Control Flex Wad, Heavy Bismuth patterns consistently and is safe in all shotguns. Loaded in the USA by Federal Ammunition.
Welcome back to Rapid Fire, your weekly show all things guns, freedom, Second Amendment, and self-defense. Uh, if you want to be a part of the show, 508-444-2120, or go to rapidfireradio.us and sign up to be notified whenever we go live, and you can type right into the chat. We're live on many different uh, many different platforms, and you can interact with us there, and we'll get to all your questions. So, um, if you want to take me to task on anything I've said, by all means, give us a call. If you're for universal background checks, I'd love to hear from you. You'll get priority. You'll be go right to the front of the line, and uh, uh, we'll we'll put you right on the air. Uh, and this week's uh, poll question, by the way, is up, and it is: uh, Do you think that the bump? St- uh, excuse me. Do you think that the court system will overturn the frame and receiver rule and the pistol brace rule, like the bump stock ban? Uh, and the bump stock rule was just overturned yesterday by the Sixth Circuit Court of Appeals. Now, again, that doesn't mean it's law of the land throughout the country yet, But uh, and it's simple, yes or no. Uh, Right now we're trending at 100% believe that the frame and receiver rule and the pistol brace rule like the uh, will be overturned by the courts. Uh, that seems to be the trend of it, and uh, I don't see any other way, honestly. I mean, I know this is kind of a softball question, uh, but there are people who might not think this, and it certainly could take the better part of a decade to actually come to fruition, if you ask me, because if the Supreme Court doesn't rule quickly on it, it's going to go through district courts to appeals courts and back down and vacated and remanded and everything else. So even that Sixth Circuit Court of Appeals uh, ruling yesterday on the bump stocks, that just got vacated and remanded back to district court. So there's this you know hot potato happening uh, where even the Supreme Court did it after the Bruin case. They took all these cases, they GVR'd them is what it's called. They granted certiorari. They vacated the lower court's decision and then remanded it back to the lower court to get it right in light of Bruin. So if the court doesn't get it right or even if it does, the other side could appeal it back to the circuit court. And then the circuit court, you know, depending on whoever prevails there, it could go up to the Supreme Court. And if there's a split decision, in other words, if one circuit court rules differently than another circuit court, then it's really in uh, imperative that the Supreme Court weigh in because if they don't, we're left with this split decision and nothing, you know, we don't have any uh, continuity of our laws of the land. So it'll be really interesting um, and uh, see how it all plays out. But, you know, unfortunately, it's left in the hands of the courts. It's left in the hands of the court systems, which could take lots of time and money. Um, so, excuse me one second, of a uh, cold on set here. Thank God for the mute button. Um, so anyway, uh, but let me know what you think, 508-444-2120, or just go ahead and type into the uh, type into the chat. Um, also, one of the other things that I kind of took notice of and retweeted a little bit is this uh, kid who is on Twitter um, 
I, I honestly didn't know him from a hole in the wall until uh, the donut operator retweeted one of his uh, one of his rants. But the the interesting thing about it was um, he said that he's not a government shill, and but in the very uh, you know because someone called him out as a government shill, but then you read his bio on Twitter and he says his email address is a talent agency. Uh, so, you know, here he is, some kid talking about politics or whatever, and he's basically saying that he started his, uh, you know, Twitter page years ago, and this is the first time he started to get into political uh, talk, and uh, he's not a political shill, but he's, you know, putting out pro-Joe Biden uh, for president videos and his accomplishments, et cetera, et cetera. So anyway, I want I want to play his rant for you because this is uh, this is uh, right up. It's a la David Hogue and Greta Thunberg. This message to all the Republicans funded by the NRA, and this was inspired by a fantastic paper written by Chloe. Let me tell you something. Gen Z has sat by and idly watched as our friends and our family members are killed in schools and a gun epidemic has overtaken this country. We have sat by and we have idly watched over and over and over again as you value NRA money and the right to a gun over our lives. But this is what you do not understand. We are no longer watching. We are now voting. We are now in the streets, and I would be scared. Your time has come, and 2024 will be ugly. We are over this. Martin was a 14-year-old boy at Stoneman Douglas High School. He wanted to grow up and be in the Navy. He got shot and killed. You took away his right to be safe in school and grow up with life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And I promise you, you should be scared for 2024 because we are coming. We are coming. <laughs> well, um, it sounds like a threat to me, uh, the way he went on rant. But the interesting thing is I know plenty of Gen Z that are pro-gun. And actually, it, it actually is like a – gives me hope for the future. So I don't think this kid speaks for the vast majority of Gen Z people. And, you know, I think also for him to say we took away this 14-year-old – person's life is extremely inflammatory and, and uh, you know, basically um, liable, if you ask me, because frankly, uh, the people who have done nothing since Columbine on the kill zone loophole and have done nothing to harden the targets and have done nothing about putting armed school resource officers in these schools and done nothing to end the gun zone, uh, kill zone loophole and allow teachers who wish to be armed to be armed have created in a target rich environment for this psycho evil, uh, you know, mad person to go out and, and kill. And they have a perfect place to do it. Um, because there's no other description I can think of, uh, that describes what those people do. Um, I think anyone who's seriously wants to prey on children, they are the most vile type of evil. And uh, even Jesus' words said, if any of you cause one of these little ones to stumble, it would be better that a millstone be hung around your neck and you be cast into the depths of the sea than to cause one of these 
to stumble. That was some pretty heavy language, especially for Jesus who told the thief on the cross, today you will be with me in paradise. So he was forgiving, he was loving, and he saw through people's sin. But he said specifically to people who want to harm children, "There's a, you're a special type of evil, and it would be better that you were never born or that a millstone be hung around your neck and you'd be cast into the sea. I think that um, that that demonstrates perfectly the type of evil that exists in this world that wants to prey upon defenseless children. I mean, that is crazy. Uh, if you ask me, it's a new type of crazy. It's an evil type of crazy. And uh, we could go down the rabbit hole on that whole thing, but I'm not going to do that um, today. All I'm saying is you can't lay blame at the feet of the people who want to do something about it. You've got to bla- lay the blame at the feet of the people who are doing nothing. And And if your only argument is you need to give up your guns in order to keep us safe... You are a poor student of history because that is the opposite of how you straighten things out. A armed society is a polite society. It's a very simple formula. Look at our cities and states in this country. The ones that have the highest level of gun control are the most violent in their area. Um, I love Chicago, for example, because I think it should be ground zero for every organization, for Moms Demand Action, for Grandmothers Against Gun Violence, for uh, Bloomberg, for anyone. That should be your ground zero. You should be focused in on what you can do in those communities. And when you see teens rioting and flipping cars over and jumping up and down on people's cars as they sit at red lights and shooting each other and uh Stephen Dettelbach said today that some of these communities are reigning with Glock switches when they go to uh, arrest these criminal, you know, these criminals. They've modified their Glocks into machine guns, so that proves they don't care what the law says. They're they're criminal. They're criminally minded. They have evil intent in their hearts, and they're w- wishing to prey upon people. And you go to these cities that are some of the most highly gun controlled, then they say, well, it's because of Gary, Indiana, with their soft gun laws over in Indiana. That's why Chicago's a mess. Well, then why isn't Gary, Indiana a mess? doesn't make sense. Look at Massachusetts. Highest rate of violent crime in the Northeast. And you can't say, oh, it's because we have Maine, New Hampshire, and Vermont to our north, which are uh, all constitutional carry states. You can't point to them and blame them. They're, they're safer states than we are. And we have the highest gun control in the Northeast. And we're the most violent. It's very simple. It's a formula that works every time it's tried. More guns, less crime. I'll be back after this break. But if you travel or you want to get a license to carry in multiple states, you got to check out our Utah 36 state concealed carry class. We're up to 27 Concealed carry states, uh, excuse me, constitutional carry states are permanentless carry. So that's awesome. But if you want coverage in the other states, go to capegunworks.com and sign up for our Utah class. And at the end of the class, you'll get everything you need to apply. We'll be right back. You're listening to Rapid Fire.
for personal protection has never been more popular than it is today. The USCCA can help fortify your home, sharpen your awareness, and develop your defensive plan. Go to uscca.co forward slash rapid fire to sign up. Your family safety and security is your responsibility. Go to uscca.co forward slash rapid fire to sign up for a USCCA membership and get special training, legal advice, and legal protection you and your family need. Vortex offers the very best optics specifically made for shooters with rugged construction designed for extreme environments. Vortex Optics build quality ensures accurate, reliable, and repeatable performance every time you squeeze the trigger. Add fully multi-coated lenses and nitrogen purging, and you have a quality optic with an extremely reasonable price tag. That is the Vortex difference. Come into Cape Gunworks to see the full line of Vortex Optics today. Welcome back to Rapid Fire, your weekly show all things guns, freedom, Second Amendment, and self-defense. And I apologize that I am suffering through the man flu for you right now. But uh, like I said earlier, the show must go on. And this is a cool part of the show because I get to talk about something that I really like. And that is uh, firearms. And this is a firearm that interests me. It meets all the criteria of what I consider a cool gun. And it's been kind of hard to get lately. In the past couple of years, it's been very difficult to get. And it's the Ruger Scout Rifle. Um, these are super neat guns. They're in a couple of different chamberings. You can get them in 5.56 and 308. They have a detachable box magazine. They're a bolt-action rifle. Um, and these are a multi-purpose rifle. The Scout Rifle concept is is a rifle that can be used uh, kind of in an emergency situation as far as home defense is concerned. It could be used for uh, putting food on the table. It's a very good rifle for um, you know defense and hunting, uh, but it's short overall uh, length and its extended eye relief makes it a little bit quicker target acquisition if you put a red dot sight or a uh, long eye relief scope on this. Um, you can actually acquire the target very well with both eyes open in a quicker way. And uh, also it's easier to throw an extra shell in the top of the, uh, the the chamber, if you will, or you know if you've shot all your rounds and you want to just toss another one in because the scope is mounted forward of the ejection port. So this one is a uh, laminated wood stock, and it's the 16-inch barrel. Uh, Ruger Scout rifle in 308 and uh, has that full Picatinny rail up mounted on the fore end of the or the front of the barrel in front of the uh, ejection port. It does still have its traditional Ruger M77 scope ring cutouts in the top of the receiver, so you can put a traditional scope on this. You don't need to use a Scout scope, but I really love that whole concept of the Scout scope. It also has a flash hider. And uh, you could change that out for a muzzle brake if you wanted because it is a threaded muzzle. Um, and, yes, you can have that in a bolt-action rifle, uh, on a bolt-action rifle in Massachusetts, even with a detachable magazine. So, uh, yeah, bolt-actions are not subject to the assault weapons ban. So don't give them any ideas, though. Uh, but <laughs> this is a very, very nice gun. And they've been extremely difficult to get. I've had several people come in over the past few years 
specifically requesting one of these and I've had to, you know, lay my head, you know, shake my head and put my head down and say, I'm really sorry. I have no idea when these are going to come back into stock. So we have a couple of them in stock and a couple of different iterations and uh, they're a great gun. Uh, if you don't have a bolt action gun and you want one that's more multi-purpose, it's not specific to long range precision rifle. It's not specific to hunting. It's not specific to uh, defense or, or uh, you know, um, home defense. I think this this rifle certainly checks all the boxes and is a, if you're going to just have one all-purpose bolt-action rifle, this would be a good option for you. Uh, there's a couple of companies that make them. I know Steyr does. I think, uh, you know, obviously Ruger does. Uh, Savage makes a, a bolt-action scout rifle as well. But this Ruger uh, scout is has been very difficult to find. They also make it in the gun sight configuration where they partnered up with Gunsight, uh, a firearms training community uh, that, that put their stamp or their name on it. And uh, so anyway, this one has the laminated wood stock. And if you want it, you can go over to rapidfireradio.us and click on the gun of the week button in the banner and you can get the gun of the week. Use GOW at checkout and you'll get a very special savings off either one of these that we have in stock today. So that's the gun of the week, folks, and uh, we will be right back. You're listening to Rapid Fire, and I'm going to give you a very special, important announcement. I teased it out yesterday, and we're going to talk about that on the other side. So don't go away. We'll be right back. Welcome to Personal Defense Network. For years, we've been the Internet's leading destination for high-quality information on equipment, training and your preparation for personal or home defense. Our videos are meant for those who are serious about enhancing their ability to use efficient techniques to survive a dynamic critical incident. But now we've stepped things up even higher. We've added hours of high quality training videos just for our premium members. This content takes the body of work that is the Personal Defense Network up to an even higher level. Our goal with the Personal Defense Network is simple. Provide you with the highest quality video learning tips that are available. You'll find them inside of the premium membership. All you have to do is choose how to get started, and I'll see you on the inside. Welcome back to Rapid Fire, your weekly show all things guns, freedom, Second Amendment, and self-defense. Like I said before the break, we have a really important announcement to make, which is pretty cool. Um, If find the press release but basically i was asked um by gun owners action league uh who was asked by uh representative day's office in here in massachusetts who is in charge of doing this listening tour around the state we talked about it after the first one uh last a couple months ago or whatever it was but um, there is a um, one of these listening tour events coming up in Greenfield, uh, Massachusetts, which is just about as far away from Cape Cod as you could possibly get. So next week uh, on Tuesday, right after 2A Tuesday, I'll be driving up to Greenfield Community College and I'll be one of the panelists um, at this. And I'm just going to read the press release. It says, 
As part of a statewide tour, State Representative Michael S. Day has scheduled a stop in Greenfield to hear from hunters and gun enthusiasts about Massachusetts firearms policies. The stop is taking place on Tuesday, May 2nd from 6 to 8 p.m., and we have heard concerns that some of our firearm laws are penalizing our responsible gun owners, said Representative Day, who is conducting the listening tour. We hope this stop on the tour provides legislators and the public with the opportunity to engage in productive dialogue around our firearm safety laws and the impacts they have on all of our residents. In the wake of the Supreme Court's Bruin decision, the rise of gun violence in Massachusetts and the ongoing threat of mass shootings, Massachusetts House Speaker Ronald Mariano tasked Representative Michael Day, House Chair of the Joint Committee on the Judiciary, with conducting a comprehensive review of Massachusetts gun laws. This will be the third of nearly a dozen stops this session on the legislature's listening tour, which will visit each region of Massachusetts and focus on different aspects of the Commonwealth's web of laws and regulations relating to firearms. Um, After hearing from experts about resources available for survivors of suicide and then examining the regulatory structure relating to the intersection of domestic violence and firearms, Representative Day will continue to gather information regarding public ownership at this listening session open to the public. The upcoming panel discussion will focus on the impact firearms laws have had on Massachusetts residents who sell guns and engage in sporting and recreational firearms usage. The event will take place on Tuesday, May 2nd, from 6 to 8 p.m. at Greenfield Community College, Cones Dining Commons, where lawmakers will hear from members of state sportsmanship coalitions, firearms dealers, that'd be me, conservation and wildlife experts, and the general public. Discussion and action around gun safety are needed now more than ever, so we welcome our state representatives in the community to the GCC campus to have these difficult but needed conversations, said Greenfield Community College President Michael Schott. Uh, shut, excuse me. Following the panel discussions, which is expected to last an hour, members of the audience will be invited to ask questions and share insight. So... Um, I spoke with one of the liaisons today, the Deputy General Counsel um, of the Joint Committee on the Judiciary uh, today, and I I confirmed I will be attending. And, uh, oh, Brooke used to go to school in Greenfield. That's cool. Um, So, you know, I don't go into this with my eyes wide shut. I understand that they are trying to definitely bolster some sort of credibility or gravitas to what they're doing. And But I will say that the fact that they're inviting us and goal and sportsmen's clubs and et cetera uh, is at least producing um, the, the process that we want. We can't scream and complain that we're not invited to be at the table if we aren't willing to show up and be at the table when they do invite us. And even if they have ulterior motives, they might already know what they're going to do to the Massachusetts gun laws. And they're just going through the motions to, to, you know, uh, to make a, a scene or a, a show that they are actually empathetic to the cause of the right to keep and bear arms community. Um, but even if that's the case, the fact that our voices will be heard and our voices uh, will be, um, you know, spoken is huge and the fact that the public gets to voice its uh you know voice as well 
So they'll they'll be the typical, you know, moms demand action and uh, probably you know some version of the grandmothers against gun violence or whatever there um, as well. So, but I am looking forward to a very civil discussion on uh, the importance of not infringing upon our right to keep and bear arms um, and the importance of punishing the most violent criminal element in our society. So um, that's something to stay tuned uh, to. Hopefully someone will record it if, I don't know if it will be recorded or not, but um, we'll see how it goes. All right, let's jump on the chat real quick. Um, A lot of people are weighing in on what they heard today at the uh, Dettelback you know, hearing, um, and a lot of people, you know, couldn't, (laughs) couldn't stomach it. And yeah, I I agree. Um, I watched a good portion of it. And, uh, so, um, anyway, uh, Chris wants to know what, where Morin V. Liver is, and he saw it got vacated and remanded to the lower court, but he hasn't heard anything else. Yeah. I haven't heard an update on that one in a while. Um, that's, that's still, uh, you know, in the system. I know that, but, it's going to take a while, I think, uh, unfortunately. Um, Bird Runner wants to know what my thoughts are on the Henry Homesteader. And I thought it was one of the cooler guns to come out of SHOT Show this year. Uh, I've talked about it before a little bit, but um, I brought that gun to the gun shows when we were you know, going to gun shows, and, and it got picked up and touched and felt a lot. And I think that they did a really good job. They They knocked it out of the park. Um, in fact, they came out with this, and for those of you who don't know what it is, Henry Arms came out with a pistol caliber carbine. It's a 9mm carbine, and I would say it um, it is very much in the vein or the thread of Henry Firearms. It's got a wood stock and a blued barrel, and it looks very Henry-ish, and uh, I actually think it's a much better rollout than the new big boy, uh, big boy pistols that they just rolled out. I'm not a... You know, these look like Harrington and Richardson's to me, and and I never thought those were particularly beautiful pistols or revolvers, I should say. Um, And so they were kind of meh. You know, if you're going to come out with a new revolver, I'm surprised that it's it was that. But anyway, um, the the Homesteader, I think they knocked it out of the park, and it comes with a proprietary mag. But you can order a magwell from Henry's. accessories website and you can get it to fit glock or uh sig and um i think mmp as well so there's like three other magwell options there so yeah it was really cool i think it was good but um you know i I think they outdid themselves a little bit on that the price point on it's very good whereas pof that came out with a lever gun at shot show uh i i think they i don't know until i get one in the store until someone buys one and requests it to be special ordered, I'm not bringing them in. They're too expensive. And uh, I think that they kind of, you know, dropped the ball on that. But oh, glad to see Alabama's in the house. Thank you very much. Um, and I know that uh, G-Webs had some questions for Russ, who sat in the chair while I was out walking the dog before the show. And he was asking, how often do estates walk in the door on average? And I would say probably about once a month. And when I say estates, that could be five guns or it could be 50 guns. And uh, I would say the typical estate is probably seven and nine guns. That's probably a good average. Um, Just thinking out loud. But 
anyway, um, yeah. So uh, G23 says he prefers to go to brick-and-mortar stores. That's good to know. And I think that's the one thing that's saving the firearms industry these days from the Internet is you ultimately have to end up in a store. So do you want to go visit a store where you can try it out and hold it and feel it and see how it fits before you buy it? Or do you want to buy it on the Internet, get it in the store and realize it's not a gun you like and trade it in or whatever? So um, I couldn't agree with you more, Mike. He says the world changed when they took prayer and the Pledge of Allegiance out of schools. I I agree 100%. Um, And uh, I did not see the... Jared's video on the Supreme Court packing tour. I'll have to go back and watch that. Um, It's probably an interesting video. Um, I think, uh, you know, they're still reeling and licking their wounds from the Bruin decision. And so they're in the abortion bill that, uh, or the abortion overturn, federal abortion overturn. Obviously, states can still uh, have it, but. Um, so their their only solution at this point uh, to get what they want is to pack the Supreme Court. So um, that's that's neither here nor there. Five hundred. You bring up a good point, an interesting point. He says. Now I think this is a little tongue in cheek. I do believe there's some good people there, but uh, imagine working for the ATF and thinking you're American. Well, I found that to be interesting in the discussion today when Stephen Dettelback said that. Uh, employee retention at the ATF is at an all-time low and that uh, one of the congressmen brought up a resignation letter um, of how the ATF is now shifting its focus from violent criminals to rules and regulations that will affect law-abiding people. And so this guy's like, I'm out. You know, I can't, I can no longer be a part of this. Uh, If you're going to focus on law-abiding people and uh, it, it even got a little more granular when they were talking about the zero tolerance policies of of FFLs, and uh, Stephen Dettelback tried to take the high ground on this when he said, um, "Oh, it's only people who are in willful acts." And I almost came out of my shoes because what that means, and unless you're an FFL and have been through uh, an ATF audit, you don't know what that means. It sounds more like people who are willfully selling guns to the cartels or to the drug dealers or to the criminal enterprise out the back door. That's what that sounds like, right? But here's how they tee it up. Any infraction, and I'm talking the most basic of infractions, like you put the wrong, like let's say you live in Los Angeles County or Los Angeles and you put L.A., on your form, and this is the end user. If you do that, that is an infraction that they can write you up for. And when I say you, I'm talking the FFL, even though the end user is the one that made the mistake. But if you don't catch it, you have made that infraction. If you've been warned about that in the past, any of those that slip through the cracks are now a willful infraction on your part. So don't buy this nonsense that the ATF is spinning that, oh, this is only willful infractions. It means if you've been warned in the past and it slips through the cracks again, you have now willfully violated the ATF rules and are subject to revocation hearing. 
that's how that works. And that's they're patting themselves on the back about that because revocation hearings are up 600%. Anyway, that's the end of the first segment. Thank you for tuning in. But remember, the show goes on here for another hour. So if you're listening, make sure you stay tuned. Or if you're listening on the radio and you want to catch the second hour, you need to jump over to rapidfireradio.us and listen to the podcast version of it. Uh, Freedom will always be on the right side of history, so stay tuned. We'll see you next. We have Rapid Fire Rachel next, so you don't want to miss it. We'll be right back. I'm Toby Leary. tag of a lifetime finally come through. May the snow pile up and the elk come down. May your socks always stay dry. May the herd bull finally break from the herd. And may your aim always stay true. Welcome to the next level. Welcome to the Vortex. Once you're involved in something like this, the stress level... It can tear up a family. He said he was tried in the court of public opinion before he ever stepped foot in a courtroom, but surveillance video helped shed light on what actually happened. 50-year-old Ford employee Billy Cowart was charged with attempted murder for shooting his gun in the United Auto Workers 551 parking lot in June 2016. To have everything he worked for taken away. Cohort was suspended and then terminated from his job with Ford, where he'd worked for nearly two decades. To have somebody have your back and have a company that have your back, and then they put me in touch with a great attorney. That was the best feeling. Go to uscca.com to learn more about protecting yourself and your family. Alexander Hamilton said, those who stand for nothing will fall for anything. This is Toby from Cape Gunworks. When our founding fathers drafted the Second Amendment, there was no question of its meaning. Today, if you have questions, come to Cape Gunworks for some advice, training, or to send a few rounds downrange. We have a fully stocked pro shop with a huge selection of guns, crossbows, archery, classes, rentals, a 15-lane range, and a friendly staff. Come on down to Cape Gunworks Airport Road, Hyannis, or capegunworks.com. For quite a long time, duck hunters have been shooting steel, but in the past few years, you've really seen a resurgence of a material called bismuth. And what bismuth is, it's got a density a lot closer to lead than steel, where, where steel's density is right around 7.8 or so, and lead's right around 11 grams per cc. Bismuth comes in about 9.6. So just to kind of lay it out for you, if you've got two objects flying at the same speed, the one that is denser at the same speed is going to hit a lot harder. So a great example is like how we're hunting today. We're out, we're out here on the, we're literally hunting a bay on the ocean. Fantastic spot. 
But the wind's coming in pretty hard. Normally shooting the size ducks like the Eurasian Visions and Teals that we're shooting at today, I would probably choose to shoot like a, a number four steel. But because the wind's higher, I would maybe go to a number two because I'd get more energy and let the, let the steel carry further. Bismuth allows you to go one shot size smaller and still hit the bird just as hard as you would. Now what that allows you to do, we're shooting a number three shot today. So we're getting all the pellets of a number three load but we're getting all the energy of a number two steel shot. So it's gonna hit harder, it's really gonna extend your range, still meets all the lead-free requirements everywhere you are. Just a great product, and you'll definitely notice the power that you hit the birds with. Another thing with the Federal Premium Heavy Bismuth is we're shooting the flight control wad. So you can choke that with any choke you want, whether that's ported or not, getting incredibly tight patterns. Again, more pellets on the bird, just hits them hard. Welcome to Rapid Fire, your weekly 2A talk radio show sponsored by Vortex Optics and the USCCA. Make sure you tune in each and every week at rapidfireradio.us to join the conversation. And now you can call the Rapid Fire line, 508-444-2120. That's 508-444-2120. And you can like and subscribe on all of our social media, all the social media platforms that you consume your social media at. Our handle is... Cape Gunworks and Rapid Fire Radio on all the usual suspects as well as some of the alternative platforms that are starting to take a lot of root and uh, and traction these days. All right, but we're here with Rapid Fire Rachel. We're really happy Rachel B is with us today. She's been on the show before. How are you today, Rachel? I'm doing great. It's it's good to be back on here. Yeah. <laughs> it's been a while and last time you had the 15-minute segment, so now we got a whole hour so we can let let it all out and give the people what they want here and, and talk guns for a full hour. And uh, by the way, I ran into you at SHOT Show. I got one of your patches, which I thought were one of the cooler patches at SHOT Show. Uh, it's Rachel riding a T-Rex wielding a firearm, and, and it looks very Lost worldish. And so uh, I'll put that up there for everyone to see. So anyway, that made it onto the patch wall. And, um, and it looks good. <laughs> yeah, it looks good. So uh, my patch wall is still growing. It's a pathetic patch wall. I got late into the game. But anyway, we're working on that. So um, so why don't you tell everyone what it is you do, what you've been up to lately, and and uh, you know how you got involved in the Second Amendment world? Um, okay, so I guess the technical term for it now is social media influencer, um, <laughs> which is just interesting how that happened. But <laughs> right. It happened nonetheless. So um, that's kind of what I do. I share my passion uh, for firearms and this industry on all of my different channels, which are all the major platforms. Um, and I just kind of dabble in every section of it. So we do the extremes. We're into SAS, um, single action cowboy shooting, and then also um, full auto machine gun side of things, too. We do sub gun matches. Um, I hosted an event last year that was a machine gun shoot and gun show um, here in well not I'm in Georgia but in South Carolina um, which was pretty awesome um, the most exciting and terrifying weekend of my life. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, actually, we had you on the show right before that last year, and uh, so you you were you know in full bore linear panic mode trying to figure <laughs> out uh, how that's going to all play out and and so. Uh, 
you know, give us a debrief on how it all played out. Obviously, you did this in response to the whole, uh, the big um, annual machine gun shoot at Knob Creek coming to an end after 50 years. So you and your dad wanted to carry on the tradition, I believe it was, and uh, you pulled it off. So how'd, how'd that go? Yeah. So, I mean, in my opinion, I don't think anything will be Knob Creek um, right. just because it was so special and it was just something of its own. Um, and the place they had for it is just incredible. But what we did aim to do was carry on the spirit of that. And I think that we did a good job. Um, we had quite a few of the folks that used to be out there on that main line show up, um, filled up our line. And then we had, uh, similar to their pole barn, we had a gun show tent um, that was full capacity. I even had to find some extra tables to get people fit in where I could. And we had um, just about a thousand people come through in the weekend, which I thought was pretty incredible because you never know what the response is going to be. And, and um, with our marketing side of things, we could have definitely done better to get the word out there. And the response we've had has been incredible. People are really excited for a year too. Um, I'm not excited about the planning part just (laughs) because I'll be just as crazy as I was last year going into that, but um, we're going to do it again. I just got to find, I do have to find a different range. Um, you learn a lot just watching things as they're happening during the event. So I need to find a place that's a little more suited for what we're wanting to do. But this first year at the sawmill in South Carolina was really incredible. And I'm very thankful for the guys that worked with me on that. Yeah. I mean, that's a huge undertaking to get a thousand people to come in a weekend is, is a a miracle in my opinion, because you think about, not to mention all the vendors, highly regulated, like you hear all the time, you can't own machine guns. And well, actually you can, you know, it's almost disingenuous a little bit to say that you can't own machine guns, even in the People's Republic of Afghanistan, up here in Massachusetts, we can own machine guns, believe it or not. It's very regulated and they issue a machine gun license, but you can get it. And uh, so to have an event where, you know, you have these super regulated items and a bunch of people coming for it and, you know, all the safety precautions that go into it and everything else. And it just sounds like a whole lot of fun was had. Um, and I, I regret to say I wasn't there, but maybe next, next year. <laughs> yeah. Is it going to be about the same time of year this time? Yeah. So what I'm, what we're looking at now, um, since we are changing locations, we're not going to do one this fall. We're going to do it fall 2024. Um, that way it gives me more time to scout a location and just the extra time that goes into planning to make sure that we get a spot that will work for the kind of guns that we're bringing out. Um, so that's, that's our biggest, um, hurdle right now is just finding a location, but we've got a few that we're talking to. I'm really excited and, it, we are looking at that second weekend in October. Yeah, that would be great. And, um, you know, unfortunately, our we used to have a machine gun shoot here in Massachusetts, believe it or not, every year um, in at Hanson Rod and Gun Club. And then I think it was about 10, maybe 15 years ago, uh, they had a 16-year-old as an RSO on one of the micro Uzi ranges, and a guy um, was filming his like eight or nine year old son shooting the micro Uzi uh, with this 16 year old uh, RSO and the kid ended up shooting himself. And that was the end of that. Yeah. It was a horrible, horrible, you know, tragedy that should have never happened. But, uh, and then, you know, that was the end of that. They changed the law to the most strict scrutiny or, or most strict interpretation of what possession means. So, in our state, you now have to have a machine gun license to even possess or hold 
uh, a machine gun, which, you know, oh my gosh, yeah, took all the fun away. So, yeah, it was uh, the end of that for us, unfortunately. And they had many, many years, just like uh, Knob Creek. And there's another one in Maine, Dover Foxtrot um, in Maine, that did a big machine gun shoot in our area. And so now it seems like all these smaller ones are breaking out, like the one you hosted. And then the one in, um, there was one in Arizona, I believe, a few years ago. I don't know if it's still happening or not, but. There's a big one in Arizona um, that happens um, March and it's either September or October. um, But that same time period, it's usually, it was usually either the week before or the week after Knob Creek, but it's called Big Sandy. And it's arguably bigger than Knob Creek as far as the stuff that comes out to Big Sandy. Um, I've never been, but I do plan to go this year. Uh, The stuff that comes out there starts at 50 and goes up. So they're shooting like they're, it's crazy. It's madness. They had a quad uh, minigun out there last year. Wow. um, Which I can't even, I can't even calculate the amount of money that was being thrown down range and those few seconds that it probably took to empty the belts. But yeah, that's the kind of stuff that you'll see at not, uh, not not Creek. That's the kind of stuff you'll see at Big Sandy. Um, whole different experience, and I'm excited for that one. Yeah, that um, <laughs> sounds more like a spectator's one though than <laughs> than actually. I mean, I guess if you have the credit card, the no limit credit card, you could probably shoot whatever you want. But uh, it sounds expensive, right? If they're shooting big, and yeah, yeah, I can only imagine. Um, but people that own these guns want to want a place to shoot and. Big Sandy seems to be the place that can hold everything, but it's also on the West Coast. Or well, it's on it's in Arizona, so the folks out here on the East Coast don't really have a place to call home anymore now that Knob Creek is gone. Yeah, um, but there are a lot more little pop up shoots that are happening, um, and ones that I haven't heard of that are just smaller in general. So that's part of the game plan for this year: is get out to as many of those as I can just to see how they're doing everything. And um, if they're open to the public, that's something that I want to promote because the more people we can get out to these events, the more that the spirit of these events will continue on and people will understand this world. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we got a couple comments in the uh, in the chat here. Someone saying, wow, a live bunny. Tell us about uh, <laughs> the bunny in the background there. Yeah, so that is my gun bunny. Her name is Dixie. Um, <laughs> kind of a play on, you know, people like to use and throw out the term gun bunny. So right. that's, that's her. Nice. <laughs> um, she's got a little goat gun, 50 cal back there and <laughs> she's usually a good sport, but every time now and then, if she doesn't have food on time, she gets a bad attitude and throws things around. So. Yeah. She's just hanging out on top of the dresser there. It's pretty cool. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and G webs is, uh, also chimed in that it's, I think he's been to bin big Sandy and he says it's more raw than knob Creek. There's a quarter yeah. mile line, uh, firing line. And yeah, they, that sounds about right. From yeah. what I've heard. And they own the whole area, and it's all just shooters. Few spectators actually make the effort to show up. I've seen how it's like you know through the desert and over the hills and through the woods to to get to the to get to the range itself. So, um, from what I understand, if you're going out there, you're typically camping too because it's it's a decent hole. And yeah. then um, I think they have like I don't know what it is, little small planes that they not actual planes, but like little small. Uh, plain looking things that they'll use as targets, mm, uh, which I was just talking to somebody out in, at, in Indiana about that. Cause I think he provides those for one area of the range, but yeah, what they do out there is completely different. <laughs> um, but definitely something if you can make it, I mean, yeah. 
And we're here with Rapid Fire Rachel uh, on 2A Talk Radio Rapid Fire. If you want to give a call and ask her any questions, the number is 508-444-2120. That's 508-444-2120. Or type your question into the chat or text 508-444-2120. That reminds me of one of the greatest movies I've ever seen as far as the 2A community is concerned. It was uh, Mike Dillon's Machine Gun Magic firestorm in the desert and uh this is old it was like vhs tapes like when i first became a shooter i was like 18 years old my buddy's like you gotta come over my house tonight after work and i'm like why he's like just come over and i'm like okay so we go over and we pop in that like vhs and pop a bowl of popcorn and whatever and the uh this movie starts to happen and you know mike dylan's talking about machine guns and i know he's not around anymore but and uh he had this machine gun shoot in the desert of i think it was in nevada and they cordoned off like an 11 square mile area and they invited everybody who had you know machine guns and they all showed up and it was epic they just were you know (laughs) shooting all day and then when it got to be nighttime they you could see the tracers and everything and then they started putting up these things i think you're talking about these like I, they were called drones back then, but it's not the drone that you think about these days. It's more of a right. RC airplane with like light sticks on it, and they were packed with tannerite. So <laughs> when you hit them, they'd blow up. It was epic. I mean, but what what was shocking to me was how hard it was for people to hit them, like even with machine guns. And there's guys with BARs and Tommy guns and M16s and everything, and they didn't have a prayer. But then Mike Dillon sits into his like, you know, turret mounted quad 50 or his minigun and put the heads up display on with the little joystick controls and he would knock those things down pretty quick. It was pretty epic. That's awesome. Did you ever see that video? (laughs) No, I didn't. But now I'm curious if I can find it somewhere. It has to be somewhere on the internet. I'm sure. I'm sure. I'm sure it's somewhere on the internet. Um, But what was the name of it again? It's called Machine Gun Magic Firestorm. Machine Gun Magic. Yeah, Firestorm in the Desert. And yeah. <laughs> uh, and so th- they said at the end, they have this like grand finale at the end where they're just, I think he melted down the barrels of his quad 50. And, oh my gosh. Yeah, he just ran it until the barrels literally meant, melted off. And, um, and so uh, the. The interesting thing was at the end of this video, and again, this is, I don't know if it was in the late 80s or early 90s. I think it was 91, 92, um, but they shot a million dollars worth of ammunition at this, in the making of this video. And that was back then. So, you know, imagine what, you know, it's probably $2 million worth of today's you know, oh, ammo yeah. at today's prices. But although if it was after the assault weapons ban, it might have been pretty comparable in, you know, cost of ammo. Who knows? But anyway, it was pretty epic. So um, G-Web says he's such a fan of your new shoot, and we need more accessible machine gun shoots around the country to help normalize recreational use of firearms for fun. And machine gun shoots are like our Indy 500 or NASCAR. I completely agree. Yeah. That's that's kind of what we want to do to um, – Different from Knob Creek, Knob Creek was more of a spectator's event, um, unless you had machine guns yourself and could 
do any of the competitions or wanted to pay for rentals. Outside of that, you're really just watching that main line or you're shopping in the pole barn. And at our shoot, um, you had the main firing line that you could watch, which they had all sorts of stuff out there. We had a guy bring out a pack howitzer. Um, Yeah, that wild. But we also had um, a rentals area and we had several companies come out um, that were either renting or um, doing side competitions or just letting people test fire their weapons. So, it was it was pretty cool. We had um, a lot of people brought their kids, and their kids got to shoot a Barrett fifty cal at six hundred yards and shoot a car. Um, yeah, it, it was a really good experience and a really great way to expose your children to something in a safe environment. Yeah, and you know, normalizing it, the other thing that the other side of the equation is you hear so much talk in the news media of about assault weapons killing everybody and all this stuff, and when you look at the um, people who own actual machine guns and quote unquote weapons of war in the civilian market and how responsible they are as far as people are concerned and how uh, they, you know, they take these out and shoot recreationally and, and uh, you know, uh, are share with other people the whole experience and they uh, promote good uh responsible gun ownership in our community i think it's it's a huge uh bonus to show that even with the actual weapons of war how you know it's a a geeky nerdy sport that people are having fun and it's no one's getting hurt doing right yeah absolutely and um i I know you were talking earlier about uh the atf stuff that happened today in that whole discussion. And uh, they just kept throwing out the, the Glock, what is it? The Glock cards. Switches. Yeah. The Glock switches. Yeah. The Glock switches that are apparently popping up and raining in certain cities. And (laughs) I was listening to that and I was like, do any of these people have any of these people actually shot a full auto Glock? Because I don't know what they think they're doing in the street, but um, they're more likely to injure themselves trying to use them. Just, (laughs) I don't know. hundred percent. And, you know, so much focus upon the bump stock and everything else was, you know, that bump stock ban. And I said, you know, especially right after that Las Vegas shooting where the guy allegedly used these bump stocks. And I said, if the guy was actually using bump stocks or whatever the situation was there, we still don't know the whole story. But if he was actually using bump stocks, he was doing... More people survived because of how clunky and how hard it is to actually shoot those things in a controlled way. Um, they are yeah, not, they're not a machine gun. And no, <laughs> they're yeah, novelty at best right. and pretty and, hard to, pretty hard to use. Yeah. Yep. And, uh, if, if the, you know, I'm not ho- hopefully not giving ideas to psychos, but if a guy had a semi-auto or even a bolt action rifle with a high powered scope at that distance, he could have inflicted way more damage than, than shooting a bump stock after the initial firing it you know so it's crazy that they want to focus on these things that uh, you know like you said the glock switches which are already illegal there's no version of them that are legal for civilian ownership to my knowledge anyway and the fact that they're popping up all through inner cities proves gun control doesn't work even in the most strictest of gun laws it doesn't work right Who'd have thought it? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So um, aside of the machine gun shoot and, you know, what is your goal as far as, 
you know, obviously the gun industry is fun to be a part of and it's a great industry to work in and, and whatnot and, you know, make a living at. Um, but is there anything that you're trying to do as, as a result of that, that, um, you know, would promote responsible gun ownership? One of the things I really like that you do is that gun of the day, you feature all these different guns and we actually do a gun of the week segment on this show, uh, that I kind of, you know, plagiarism's the highest form of flattery. I, I ripped it off from you because I like that whole concept of showing this, uh, you know, cool, interesting gun that may or may not be, you know, talked about. But I think it's a cool thing that you do and you, you show like an interesting, and there was one that came out the other day that in some caliber I'd never even heard of or whatever. Um, but what is it that you're trying, are you just trying to, you know, make awareness of, of firearms and normalize firearms ownership or, or are you just having fun doing what you're doing? So, I mean, a little bit of both, right? Yeah. Like this was part of my life growing up and would be part of my life even if social media weren't a thing. Um, but to me, now that I do have an audience and I do have a little bit of a voice, um, I anything I can do to encourage people to take an active duty or an active um, role in their own personal protection, that's what I want to do. And whether that means um, showing them ways you can have fun with guns or ways you can um, utilize them for self-protection or guns that they may have or may have never heard of, um, uh, just a little bit of it all. Uh, I know you can't do it all, but right. <laughs> I'm trying to do it all, right? Yeah, yeah, no, that's good. Once you have an audience, you actually, um, you know, have a have people that are going to listen to you, and, and so you. that's why they call it influencer. You can, you know, put on the face of responsible gun ownership and, and show what that means. And uh, as a woman, what does it mean to you that, uh, you're allowed to have firearms for personal protection and, and, uh, you know, can you speak towards that angle of it at all? Do you kind of focus on women at all? Or do you like, especially in your circles, do you ever like say to groups of women like, Hey, let's go to the range who have never shot or, or do you kind of advocate in that space at all? Or is it more just, you know, whoever comes along your path? Um, a little more of whoever comes along my path. I have taken individuals to ranges. I've never done like large groups, um, but there's been several women at church that I've taken out and helped them figure out what something that they can work with. Um, Cause carrying is very personal. Um, what you carry, there's no one size fits all for everyone. You need to find what works for you, but it's important that you do get to try different things and figure out what you are comfortable with carrying because the most important thing is finding something that you are comfortable carrying and confident carrying. Um, and I've enjoyed taking people out on, on to the range. We actually have a range at the house now, so it makes really? it a little bit easier. Yeah. Oh, nice. That was one of our projects last year was building out a space. Um, because before uh, the range that we're members at required people to sign up as members after three visits. So now mm. they can come to the house, we can work through stuff and figure out what will work for them. Um, Awesome. Do you do any type of instructing or is it just mostly kind of, you know, just making sure they're safe and that's, you know, give, get them grip and stance and go have fun? Or, or is it more of like you're trying to teach them a little bit of a, in a class type scenario? Very informal. My brother is a firearms instructor, but I am not a firearms instructor. Um, as far as basic instruction, though, I definitely can do that. Mm -hmm. um, but then I have other places that I'll send them to if they want further instruction. Nice. 
Yeah, that's great. So uh, what's your favorite gun now? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> that's the hardest question. And everybody always wants to know that, right? Right. Um, <laughs> so I, I think that my favorite gun will always be – It's that's a difficult Difficult question. It's like your favorite kid, right? (laughs) Do what? It's almost like asking a parent who your favorite kid is, right? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we have categories here, right? Like, what's your favorite concealed carry? What's your favorite uh, dinosaur hunting gun? (laughs) I need specifics. All right. So Um, let's uh, let's go with the Thompson. Thompson? Uh, That is the the gun that kind of changed the game for me. Um, My dad is a collector and um i think i was in high school maybe sophomore year he brought out his uh his 1928 colt um and i got to shoot it for the first time and that is when rapid fire rachel was born so (laughs) never looked back also wasn't something that at that point in time you bragged about at school so didn't really know it was weird for anyone to have full autos (laughs) Um, i thought that was just kind of normal so awesome well that's that's a that's being raised right when you when you feel like, hey, I can talk about machine guns and it's not a big deal. Like, you know, uh, what's funny about that is I remember uh, being over my friend's house and went, this is probably 30 years ago. And he said, um, yeah, the police gave us a visit today. And uh, I'm like, what? Why? And he said, well, one of my son's friends was over the house and my son asked to if we could show him some of the guns. And so I showed him a couple and uh, he had an AR-15. And so the the kid went to school like the next day and said, so-and-so's got, uh, has an M-16, you know, a, a machine gun. He said he had a machine gun, an M-16. So the police paid him a little visit, <laughs> which I find to be incredibly interesting because uh, it was on the word of like a nine-year-old kid in school, so... I, I actually have a story about this too. So when we were kids, um, my brother, I guess he was in like kindergarten or first grade or something. And they had a writing assignment that they wanted you to pretend you were invisible for a day. And what would you do if you were invisible for a day? And (laughs) most of the kids were writing like, Oh, I'd pick on my sister or I do this or that. And my brother got very detailed about all of the things that he would acquire for my dad that were part of my dad's uh, wish list for his collection. And so my parents get called in and they're like questioning, you know, your son is very specific about what type of machine guns he's looking for in first grade. Um, and my mom's like, he obviously thinks this writing assignment is stupid. One, by the way, he's writing is sarcastic. And two, all of those are very specific items uh, that my husband as a collector is looking for. So <laughs> yeah. Yeah. If that were today, I'm sure it would probably be like newsworthy. Right. Well, you know, it's, it's reached epic proportions. Like I, I know, uh, it wasn't that recent, but I think 10 years ago or so the kid who it might've even been in our area. I don't know if it was regional or it was national news, but some like five-year-old kid ate his peanut butter and jelly into a gun shape and then pointed it at the kid next to him at lunch and went pow. And the five-year-old kid got suspended from school for shooting him with his peanut butter and jelly sandwich, you know? Wait, I did not hear about that. Yeah, it was crazy. And I'm like, you know, what is going on? Every, to a five to eight-year-old boy, everything that, you know, whether it's your finger gun or your stick or your sandwich or your carrot, everything's a gun, you know? It's like, that's what boys do or did when I was growing up anyway. 
And Are we not allowed to play cops and robbers at recess anymore? Because that was a thing too. <laughs> yep, yep. The good old days uh, uh, when we'd go out at you know in the morning and not come back till dinner time and get in all kinds of trouble. But anyway, um, we're here with Rapid Fire Rachel on Rapid Fire to a talk radio show that you can call into if you have any questions for Rachel. Get on the line. It's 508-444-2120. And uh, don't go away. We'll be right back after this with more with Rapid Fire Rachel. I'm Toby Leary, and we'll be right back. for personal protection has never been more popular than it is today. The USCCA can help fortify your home, sharpen your awareness, and develop your defensive plan. Go to uscca.co forward slash rapid fire to sign up. Your family's safety and security is your responsibility. Go to uscca.co forward slash rapid fire to sign up for a USCCA membership and get special training, legal advice, and legal protection you and your family need. Vortex offers the very best optics specifically made for shooters with rugged construction designed for extreme environments. Vortex Optics build quality ensures accurate, reliable, and repeatable performance every time you squeeze the trigger. Add fully multi-coated lenses and nitrogen purging, and you have a quality optic with an extremely reasonable price tag. That is the Vortex difference. Come into Cape Gunworks to see the full line of Vortex Optics today. Welcome back to Rapid Fire, your weekly show about guns, freedom, Second Amendment, and self-defense. And we are here with Rapid Fire Rachel. So if you want to talk to her, get on the line, 508-444-2120, or type your question into the text, and I will ask it um, on your behalf. But we're having a fascinating conversation uh, about firearms and how it relates to her work as a social media influencer. So... Uh, one of the things you mentioned before the break was you guys were able to build a, a range at your house. And uh, you mentioned off the air that it's at your parents' house and your, you and your dad went halvesies on it. So it's, it's, helping, it's helping you with your work because you have a place to shoot. And um, you said it was your dad's dream and whatnot. So it sounds like, especially from the stories you told us earlier, that firearms were always a part of your life kind of growing up. Uh, when was the first time you actually fired a gun? Do you remember how old you were? I'm pretty sure I was three years old. Wow. Um, it was obviously, it was my dad's hobby. He would yeah. take us out there. My brother's four years older than me. So he'd take all of us out there. And my sister and I would kind of like play in the mud back behind the range um, or back behind, obviously the firing line. And then him and my dad would shoot a little bit. And then he always brought something for me and my sister to shoot. So, um, started with BB guns and shooting ant mounds because reactive targets are fun for everybody. Yeah. Um, and then <laughs> expanded from there. Nice. See, now I'm an anomaly because I grew up in a house that my parents wouldn't even let me have a BB gun. And, uh, I almost had to go behind their back to shoot. Like I had to go over a friend's house and like get invited to a range outing. Yeah. It was, it was painful. And um, I I first learned to shoot in the Boy Scouts. That was the first time I shot. And I remember being at the range, and I think I was 12, the first time I got to shoot. And my scout leader 
had like a pretty good collection of guns and the drop the tailgate and all these pistols were laid out and rifles and you know they put them out on the line and gave us some instruction and i remember my parents being there to watch and they were like 50 yards behind the firing line standing in the woods almost watching this go down you know and i don't know if it's because maybe they didn't have hearing protection or something i don't know i honestly don't know why they were so far back but they were you know horrified that i was taking the shooting like a fish takes to water so uh, uh and a funny a funny story about that is after i opened our gun shop um we were probably open, I don't know, for about six months. And my Boy Scout leader, who I hadn't seen in 30 years, walked in the door and was looking around at the new gun store in town. And I'm like, hey, everybody, this place is his fault. <laughs> and he's like looking at me like, who is this guy? When I gave him my name, he goes, oh, my gosh, we haven't seen each other in forever. But I'm like, yeah, you're the guy who took me shooting the first time. And look what happened. Here we are. Uh, so you never know when you take that young person to the range what's going to happen, and uh, it's addictive. Yeah, it really is. It's a good addiction too. It's a healthy addiction, uh, unlike some of the other addictions in life. This is one you don't have to feel guilty about. Correct? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So, uh, as an influencer in the firearms community, how do you promote safe and responsible gun ownership practices? Like, you know, is there anything that you know, you specifically, uh, you know, advocate for, whether it be storage or, or getting trained. You mentioned that you, you have people that you refer them to, but is there something that you do in your official capacity that would point people to, to that? Um, no, not really. Like it, that's more individual. If people have questions about certain things, um, I, I mean, so all of that's very personal, right? Like I grew up in a household where my parents did not store their guns. Um, and all of us kids ended up completely fine, but do I think it's a good idea for safe storage? Yes. But I also think that that is your decision. Um, and with owning a gun, there is responsibility. So you have to take into account, are there children in the house? Do, are they aware of the guns? Like my dad, I didn't know it was Eddie Eagle at the time, but Eddie Eagle was a very big part of growing up for us, but he applied it to everything that was dangerous. Like if we saw a snake, stop, don't touch, leave the area, tell an adult. Mm. Um, I thought that was just my dad's thing, but then, you know, come to, come to find out it's not, it was Eddie Eagle. Um, but that, that was the same thing with guns. Like I would see a gun sitting on my dad's nightstand or next to his chair and we knew, not to touch it, but we also knew what it could do because he started teaching us when we were so young. Right. Yeah. And I think that's part of the erosion of our society. Even like I remember a police officer coming in to talk about gun safety at schools when I was in elementary school, but none of my kids had that same experience. None of my uh, brothers who are a lot younger than me had that same experience. Uh, And your dad obviously took it very serious to teach you and it wasn't a problem i know tons of people in that same situation where guns weren't locked up they were on you know racks or stands or in unlocked gun cases um and you know for the most part kids even went into the woods with their shotguns and their 22s and went out with each other and hunted and you know planked around and and it wasn't a problem because they were taught safe responsible gun handling skills and they could be trusted with it down to even very young ages. I, 
I have friends who used to uh, take their 22s out in the woods at 12 years old, you know. And, you know, nowadays we make it sound like uh, limiting access to firearms uh, in a controlled way is is the holy grail of gun ownership. And it really isn't. It's it's being a good parent and teaching him what a gun can do and to respect it and how to treat it right and how to be a responsible gun user in and of themselves. Um, so, you know, that, that to me is, is like I said earlier, good parenting on your dad's part. Uh, I think that that's something that's lacking in this day and age. And I certainly raised my kids that way, but, you know, unfortunately I, I would say that's not the norm anymore. And it's, it's probably the exception to the rule. I think it definitely is the exception to the rule now. I mean, at one point in society, pretty much anyone that had a truck or a Bronco or something used to have a rifle or a shotgun hanging in the back window. Um, if you were to see that now, number one, I get stolen. Number two, <laughs> someone's going to be calling somebody about it. Right. Um, yeah, it's it's just not it's not the norm anymore. And, and kids are learning about guns from television shows and um, from video games, and their curiosity is turning but people aren't explaining the safety Mm. and instead of talking about the safety of firearms we're talking about gun violence which is uh the new term that everyone likes to throw out there it's not just violence it's gun violence um and we're not talking about the sides of it that are gun safety that we could be taking right so before the show started you were talking about you'd been doing some traveling you were just down at nra and uh so do you, how many of those type of shows do you go to a year and are, are you planning on doing any more? Yeah. So I, I try to get to as many things as I get invited to. Um, nice. I was out at SHOT Show. I typically do SHOT Show and NRA's annual meeting um, every year. And then we've got GunCon coming up. Um, that's at Brownells. Uh, if anyone on here is familiar with the Gun Collective, this is his panel that he used to host at NRA. Um, but NRA had their own pushback in regards to the panel and tried to shut them down at one point um, because they bring several creators and just different industry professionals together and talk about what's going on in this industry, problems, solutions, um, new products, just a little bit of everything. And obviously there's mixed feelings towards the NRA. Um, I'm sure everyone can agree that not exactly happy with certain decisions that are made. Um, but anyway, so they, they took this last year and did their own standalone event. So that's the next one that I'll be at. It's in June mm. at Brownells headquarters um, in Iowa. Nice. Is that one sold out already? It sold out. Um, last year sold out the first day in like 45 minutes. Right. Um, this year, I think it sold out in like two days. But okay. yeah, it, it is sold out. Yeah. And you're going to be on the panel? Or, um, or no? no, not this year. I was last year. Okay. Um, if he asks, I'd, ha- I'd be happy to come right. back. But um, right now, we've not discussed anything like that. So Cool. Um, yeah, it was something I, I definitely was going to try to make it out to, and I fell asleep at the wheel and missed the boat. <laughs> but uh, that's the way it happens with me. I got, uh, you know, so few. I'm very limited on how many days of field I get outside of, you know, family and business and everything else out, out on the uh, um, you know, traveling for business, et cetera. Absolutely. Um, but SHOT Show is a huge one. And how was NRA this year? Uh, I've never been to the NRA annual Really? Meeting. Yeah. So um, this year it was, I've never been to Indy. Um, I uh-huh. skipped it last time it was in Indy. But it was a lot busier than last year. And I'm not surprised. Um, they had canceled it. 2020 Nashville, they canceled. Um, 2021 
Houston, they canceled a week before. So last year it was a holiday weekend and people had already been fooled twice and had their travel canceled on them last minute. So I'm not surprised people didn't show up. Um, But yeah, it was a lot busier and it was, I mean, I didn't get to everything that I was trying to get to. So (laughs) it says a little bit about like how much was going on. There were several larger companies um, whose presence not being there was noticed, um, but it was still a really good show. Yeah, and it's got a much different feel than SHOT Show, right? Because it's more consumer-driven. It's the end user instead of the industry. Right, right. Which, to me, I like that um, a little more. It's not just certain individuals that get to go see it. Now, you do have to be a member of the NRA um, for entrance, so that's where it gets some people because they don't maybe don't want to give any more money to the NRA until they see changes. Um, But... Some of us signed up as a life member a long time ago, so <laughs> um, that's kind of where I sit. Yeah, me too. I, I haven't given to the NRA in a long time other than purchases to companies that do support the NRA, but um, I think Brunel's is a big supporter. Are they? Or I believe they're... Brunel's is not at NRA this Oh, year. really? So that was the one yeah. you're probably talking about. But um, yeah, yeah. I, I definitely missed um, my time with that group of individuals because i love them they're like family to me um but they were not there this year Mm. well um i think with all that being said you know my lack of support in financial ways to the nra is uh something i was very felt very strongly about to try to hope some change would come down the pipe uh i don't believe it's in the best interest that the nra goes away I do still believe it's in the best interest of the Second Amendment community that the NRA has some serious reform and, you know, some serious changes. But um, it's very slow to see, you know, any meaningful changes happening. And I've seen some good people make make it onto the board, but uh, it's 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 a living, breathing organism that is very difficult to um, enact any type of meaningful change there, unfortunately. Yeah, and I feel exactly the same way. I don't think it's something that I'd like to see go away. Oh, there she goes. Going after <laughs> her 50 <laughs> cal. <laughs> She's playing with her gun, so she really yeah. is a gun bunny. She really is. She's not the best at weapons handling. We're still working on that. I have to load all our mags for her, but, you know. <laughs> yeah. She's not exactly uh, blessed with... Uh, what do they call it? The uh, opposable thumbs. What do, what do they call, uh, <laughs> yeah. you know, uh, homo sapiens or whatever that have that bicuspid or whatever. I can't remember the. I failed biology, so <laughs> it's not coming. You can't break a nail, so that's really the biggest deal. Yeah, that's that's good point. Yep. Um, so uh, do you, you're going to gun con. You'll be doing the uh, machine gun shoot. You're hoping to do Big Sandy. And obviously, SHOT Show, again, um, that's the big one that most people don't want to miss. One thing I've been working on a little bit on my end is I feel like, you know, the industry's done a good job of adapting and changing and ebbs and flows as far as becoming more and more modern and becoming, you know, more uh, encompassing for inviting more people under the tent of the 2A community, but... I feel like the wild, wild west is still like gun shows, like uh, like regional gun shows. And in my area, there's still very like 
the most low energy, like, you know, boring thing you could ever do. And I, I, we, we, we started attending them recently and that I'm like, man, these haven't changed in 30 years. And I don't know if you've ever, if you personally ever went to gun shows or they might be better and more exciting down in Georgia, but up here they're, they're uh, a little bit slow and, you know, kind of dusty and old, if you ask me. And I would love to see some new life breathed into them and, and make it more like a, consumer driven show like a almost like a a shot show for consumers on a micro level but is that something you guys ever do down there do you ever attend gun shows and what are they like down there um so it's it's actually been a while since i've been to one around here um but the last one i did go to it was ten dollars if you brought the uh coupon from the newspaper <laughs> you saved five uh or i think it was 15 and then you saved five so it was only 10 bucks to get in nice <laughs> um Kind of the same thing. There's a few larger shows. Um, South Carolina has a pretty good show circuit, from what I understand, um, from talking to some of those guys. And I almost went to the one last weekend, but I just ended up not being able to make it. But, yeah, I think I think there is a lot of room there. I think there's some really good um, – what do you – I don't even know what you call them. Not directors, but um, – Promoters. Promoters, yeah. I think there are some promoters that pour a lot of their life into it. Um and through running the machine gun shoot, I actually talked to some folks that are promoters. So got a little bit of um, their wisdom yeah. as I was putting my stuff together and some of them that were very willing to um, send out information about my event to their audience, which was really cool. And, and I think the more we work together on things, the better it's going to be all around. Mm. Yeah, I think there. if you think about like if we could get uh, vendor like manufacturers involved in gun shows, even to like if there was some you know, interest in having, I know you got to divide and conquer and the, the money well spent for manufacturers is on the dealer distributor level because that's the best bang for their buck rather than dealing with one or two end user guys who may or may not buy their gun uh, is an expensive way to do it. But if they could at least support by just setting up a a booth and having their latest optics or the latest guns or their latest ammo or whatever their their uh you know in their business is and say hey yeah this is what we have go support the dealers that are here that have this if you like it you can special order it or buy it and and i just think it would be a big uh draw to people to actually come to the gun show again and because i know attendance is way down from what it it's heyday in the early to mid 90s you know what i mean yeah, I think probably advertising. Um, a lot of a lot of folks that do promote these things are are still in their old ways of advertising, whether it's radio or just newspaper only, and that's not necessarily where gonna, where they're going to reach um, the people today. Yeah, I think um, even up here, I don't I don't even think you could advertise in the in the paper and radio is so expensive. I don't I've never heard a gun show advertised on our radio but then again i don't listen to radio a whole lot but uh, so i think it's like local uh (laughs) local like gun club magazines or whatever that and there's like yeah and there's like a flyer from 1995 that just (laughs) gets recirculated and printed on a different color uh for each show it's it's really funny but um you know whatever we'll see what happens i'm hoping to somehow influence some change as far as that's concerned and, and make it a more a well attended a better attended event and uh and 
let me ask you on the machine gun shoot you did you said you had the the tent where vendors were was it mostly uh class three type parts and accessories or was it everything it was a little bit of everything like we had a couple of um we had a couple of target companies um a couple of just manufacturers that were out there. We had some people that had specialized parts, um, some class three, some uh, actually quite a few uh, ammo companies um, or smaller ammo companies. Um, but yeah, we had a little bit of everything. Um, some that were just knives and swords, a um, little bit of everything. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's cool. Cause, so it had a little bit of that gun show feel or like swap meat feel like come in and, you know, which I think is great. It caters to kind of everybody's interest. Um, were there, was there any vendors actually selling firearms kind of like a gun show there? Yeah. And we had, we were working with one of the local um, gun stores was set up there too. And they were working with uh, anything that people wanted to buy that day. They were running FFLs and stuff yeah. um, through them and picking it up later kind of nice. deal. Yeah. Cause that's one of the things that I was curious about. Cause I've, haven't really been a part of the gun show community very long uh like if you wanted to participate out of state you would need to have a symbiotic relationship with a local ffl that would be willing to do your transfers for you and willing to do the you know so so that's something that sounds like that you had in place for people who wanted to sell at the show they could do the transfers through another ffl yes and all of this um I mean, obviously, this was my first year doing it. So the amount of stuff that I learned in the six-month time period of when we, like, got the yes, we're doing this to the time that we put it on, um, it's just an incredible amount of stuff that I learned and yeah. relationships that we built through it. Yeah, that's that's amazing. And uh, so, you know, I think there's a whole lot of, a lot to be said for rolling up your sleeves and just say, shoving in and saying, we're doing it, right? You, you say, all of my chips are on the table, I'm pushing them into the middle, and we're going for it. You know, that, that speaks volumes over people who just want to sit there and whiteboard it to death and say, well, in three years, if we plan this, this, and this, and everything goes as perfect, we'll, we'll have it all done. You just did it on a pretty short amount of time, and I think that's huge. And definitely learned if we had had three years, I'm sure things could have gone a little smoother. Um, But yeah, I mean, you don't know what you don't know until you're there. And what I learned was invaluable. Like I, I learned so much last year. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Um, All right. So someone's, it's now been asked twice and I know Uh you're going to break some hearts here. So are you, in a relationship with anybody are you i already know the answer to the question so go ahead <laughs> yes i am married <laughs> there you go fellas your hearts are broken forever <laughs> you're a heartbreaker <laughs> rachel no uh, it's funny whenever uh, i have uh ladies on the show the question always comes up so this time i wasn't going to ask it but congratulations it's a recent marriage too right you guys got uh, we got married in 2020 in the height of um pandemics so that was fun. <laughs> oh my gosh. So that limited, how did that work out? Was it the guest list really short or big and people canceled? How, how the heck in 2020, that was like, it might've been different in Georgia, but up here it would have been you and your husband and like a, a justice of the peace on Zoom. <laughs> yeah. So that's what it was shaping up to look like. And we had like a venue and my husband and I, we dated, we dated a very long time. I've known him since seventh grade. Okay. Um, so we had planned to have a very big guest list um, looking at like 250 people. We booked it out for that. COVID hit. 
they were like 25 people max. Um, thank goodness our governor, Governor Kemp, he lifted everything pretty early and never put it back um, when the second wave was coming in September. So we ended up having 167 people after they squished it down to us only being able to invite 180, which is pretty good turnout. Um, mm. So it's still pretty big. Um, my husband still says it was the best day of his life, which that makes me feel great. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's awesome. Congratulations. So it, it was a really, really special time. Um, and we're very thankful that it worked out that way. Otherwise, we would have gotten married in my parents' backyard by the pond because we were not paying for a venue for 25 people. Right. Yeah, absolutely. That's good that it all worked out. Yeah. Here in 2020, you would have been out of luck, as yeah. they say in the Northeast. It, everything was clamped down tight as a drum. But um, so it, it's, yeah. I'm glad that is a chapter of history that's in the rearview mirror, and I hope it's fresh on everybody's memories so that we never go back to that ever again. Me too. I mean, the first two weeks were fun, but after that, man, oh it man. got a little weird. Yeah, it definitely did. I, uh, you know, we were closed down, and businesses were destroyed, and lives were destroyed up here, and and whatnot. So, uh, yeah, it, if we never have to go through that again, I, I'll be happy. But uh, unfortunately, too many people enjoyed playing tyrant during that time and messing with everybody's lives. But yes, yeah. So Georgia is obviously a pretty gun-friendly state. Uh, fortunately for you, and is it a constitutional carry state? Yes, it is. All right. Well, yep, that went into place last year. Nice. And uh, so that's that's huge. Um, we're we have just the opposite up here. It's we fight fight for every inch of ground that we're on, and uh, you know it's it's sad, but that's just the way it is. So, um, what uh, we talked about your favorite gun overall to shoot. What's your everyday carry? Uh, what, what's your favorite like defensive carry gun? Do you have just one you use, or is it a a, a bunch of them? I rotate, um, kind of depending on what I'm wearing or where I'm going. Right. So, um, I really love my Walther PPS M2. It's just a great all around gun straight out of the box. Really good. Um, love the way it shoots, love the way it feels in my hand. Um, that's kind of the one I, I lean towards. I am probably going to be getting a SIG 365 um, here shortly. I don't have one, but my dad has like four now um, of every different variety that you can have. Yeah. And he loves them. So um, I think I'm sold on getting one of those as well. But I still have, and I'm sure some people will like roll their eyes. I still have a Ruger LCP, the old one with like basically no sights on it. Um, I will never get rid of that gun. I hate shooting it, but when I'm wearing something very tight or very small, I can conceal that gun anywhere and um, on body too. So it's something that I will have um, the sights being basically not there means that you're not going to snag them on anything if you try to draw. And from me to my light over there, um, it's going to get the job done. So yeah. uh, that's something that I'll always keep, but definitely people are like, why? <laughs> Yeah, no, I I get it, and it's funny because uh, we run into this a lot at the shop. With uh, that gun that you're talking about, isn't even mass compliant. the 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 Gen two version is in 22 long rifle only. I assume you have the 380 version. I do. Yeah. 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 So, um, but that gun is very similar to the M&P Bodyguard as far as the construction of it. It might be a little bit bigger and give you a little bit more grip, but a lot of people buy the Bodyguard here for the size of it. 
and then they try to shoot it and they're like, I hate this gun. And it's like, well, you've got to remember what it was designed for. It's to keep you alive in the worst case scenario and have deep concealment and, you know, and uh, can you hit a defensively accurate group at 10 to 15 feet? Yes, you can. And that's really what it, what it, what it comes down to. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> well, thanks so much, Rachel. Why don't you tell everyone how they can follow you on all your social media channels and where they can find your work. And I appreciate you being on. So go ahead and tell everyone where to find you. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me on here um, again. And hopefully I'll be back at some point, Absolutely. but rapid fire Rachel on YouTube, um, Facebook, uh, TikTok, Twitter, and then Rachel B three, three, three on Instagram. Awesome. So great to have you on again and we'll see you soon for sure. And maybe we can come out to the machine gun shoot. So yeah, uh, yeah. you better be there. <laughs> yeah. And thanks so much for tuning in. Remember this show ends here, but you can always listen to extra content at rapidfireradio.us or call the text line rapid fire radio. I'm sorry, rapid fire line 508-444-2120 and keep up the good fight, support your local community, be an advocate for responsible gun ownership, And together as Americans, we can overcome. I'm Toby Leary. We'll see you next time. God bless.